Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So here we are again. Happy Friday. Happy July 4th weekend. In fact, Paul, just this second it dawned on me, July 4th is a Monday, which means we're going to have to record the next podcast on July 4th evening. So it's going to be, I guess, I don't know, barbecue, fireworks, podcast or something like that get barbecue so anyway, sauce so on the microphone are, here yeah so, something yeah Man. exactly so anyway for all of you that are that are not our american listeners we apologize for our america moment but uh yeah anyway so happy july 4th <laughs> we don't have many of them but when we do US. yes <laughs> we do. exactly so anyway so that's going to happen we won't be able to take all the days off but we hope you will and you'll get some time with family and let's be honest what is the tradition i think we just eat too much so much. uh yeah and, and then bl- and then blow stuff up it's eat too much uh get <laughs> liquored up and then blow stuff up, which is a terrible combination for actual success rate. But anyway, it happens every year. But here we are with more podcast for you. We've got a couple good car debates coming up tonight. We've got one from uh, Jason writing to us in Florida and uh, also from Matt writing to us. We're not sure from where, but he's got an interesting debate, not for himself, not for his family member, for a friend's Sun, which is a new twist. We're looking forward to talking about that one, too. Yeah, the only thing we're going to be blowing up is your wallets when we choose new cars for you guys. But, uh, of course. <laughs> nice, nice uh, segue there. Had to throw that in. No, I, I, uh, these stuck out to me here because um, Jason uh, has this Raptor. And you had talked about a Raptor sticking out as the truck that you actually want and would get, mm-hmm. but you can't think of mm-hmm. a reason to own it. And it sounded like yeah. that's kind of where Jason is at based on his list yeah, of prior exactly. cars, the prior cars that he's owned, and his needs. Three kids, his wife's got yep. you know the Chevy Suburban, and he's just kind of going, all right, it's great, but now what? So yeah, I agree. I read when I, I it like was funny that. when you sent this over because I read this description from Jason and his reasons for having a Raptor are the same reasons I want one, which is pretty much begins and ends with, "Well, that's super cool." I right. mean, there's just there's nothing in and his life that suggests he have it. one. You know, exactly. Here he exactly is having right. done so it and then gone. You know, now he wants to back out of it and he's actually going towards a car. Some of the stuff he's got on his list yep. here is car, but yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe another truck, but I I can't see that happening after you. After you go I Raptor, agree. you don't go to another lesser pickup truck. You just don't. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, but he doesn't have a need for it. It's a very interesting dilemma. So I look forward to talking about that. Yeah. We should mention our Adventures tab. I know we're doing that a lot lately, but some cool stuff is happening. Uh, we've checked in. You guys, a lot of you have signed up for the Chicago Track Day. That is August 22nd. That is a Monday. A good number of you have signed up. We were, we were talking to uh, Sean at Laps Incorporated actually just today. Earlier today, I was getting an update from him. About a dozen of you are in right now. A few others of you are circling. Many of you are excited, and we're still a couple months away. So please keep that in mind. That is a Monday, but it is a full track at the Autobahn Country Club just south of uh, Chicago. A few of you are coming up from St. Louis. Thanks for that. Others of you are talking about uh, getting groups together and coming down from Chicago. So either way, we're excited. We're hoping to have a few sponsors there as well. We're going to get in some cars on the track. Paul and I, we're also going to be walking around talking to you guys. Bring your car if you're not on track. We're going to do cars and coffee in the parking lot. And somehow... 
we got to figure this out. We're going to do a podcast live, too, which will be cool. I think that should be cool because it, it'll be towards the end of the day. And, you know, having yep. people experience this track for the first time, maybe they've been in their car for the first time. I'm actually kind of curious to get feedback and, you know, hey, how was it? What would you change? What did you learn today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, take some live questions, just like we're doing live questions here on Facebook. But truly, it will be, you know, mm, right yeah, away yeah. kinds of questions, which will be cool. And so the FAQ for both are on that uh, that uh, same tab. So the Adventures tab on the EverydayDriver.com site, that FAQ page is right there, kind of right in the middle, even though it's really mm-hmm. that's really geared more towards the Pilgrimage Adventure than the Chicago Track Day, right? But then Yeah, it, the FAQ is more for Pilgrimage because there's a lot more questions that relate right, to that. Right, but right. you can get to them either way. I mean, the Chicago Track Day has a really nice discount from the folks at Laps Incorporated. You can get that uh, discount code right there from our page. And then, of course, Pilgrimage signups are continuing. I was talking to another person today that's very serious about going, which is great. So we're looking for at least eight of you and hopefully as many as 12 of you to go. Uh, slots are filling. I know it seems like it's a long way away. It isn't a long way away. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're very excited about that. I keep, I keep actually in my brain because, because I'm so, I know what we're, what we're in for. I keep trying to kind of put it off in my brain because I don't want to get myself too excited. <laughs> I know, I know. But for those of you that are debating it, it is time to think about it schedule wise because it's going to be here before you know it. Very cool. We hope you guys can join us on that trip. And uh, in the meantime, we've got a little bit of news here that's completely different, but really does tie in with the video production part of what we do, the side of our brains. Mm -hmm. Actually ties in with not only video production, but also with CG technology, you know, which is kind of my end of the spectrum. Yeah, your world for sure. Yeah, Um, it's such a blending of what we do with the show and both of our backgrounds in this piece of news. Yeah. Really is. So this is called, what we're talking about here is a product of a visual effects company based in London, which is called The Mill. And I've actually had a few friends, uh, Dave Nickel in the industry. He is uh, one of the heads, heads of the studio at Hyundai in Southern California. He sent this to me. And uh, also, uh, who else? I think, did Jason Connor send this to us as well, a link to this? Well, and, and a few of you, our audience, have sent us links on Facebook. I mean, honestly, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like I've I've had this sent to me from every possible angle. People I work with that just know vaguely that I do the show, but they, they use me as an editor. Otherwise, nothing to do with the, with the Everyday Driver, but I've, I've worked for them as an editor. They've brought it up to me. I mean, it's one of those things where it's entered the public consciousness, and now it's vaguely car-related, and we're talking about it. The crazy thing about this, they have this thing they've built called the Blackbird, and it looks like just a rolling chassis. It looks like a car with no body on it. But what it does is it adapts, if I'm getting my stats right, four feet in length and almost a foot in width. It can mm-hmm. change its own track right. and length. And the concept is you type in the exact stats of your new, not yet really, don't have an example for the commercial yet car, and then you drive this rig around, which is now running with the wheelbase and the wheel size of your, let's just say, your two years from now Audi A4 that's not even released, but you know the specs. You can dial this car in to look like that, put some Audi A4 wheels on it, drive it around in a commercial, shoot it, and then you can put the body in from all the digital data that Paul ends up working with in his gig. And you build yourself the car in, uh, <laughs> in a digital world without ever actually having it on set. I, I am so torn by this bit of, bit of news, I can't <laughs> well, even tell you. I mean, you know, I don't think it's ever going to replace true, genuine, well-done stunt driving. You will always be able to tell that. 
But honestly, for what this is designed for, and that is, yeah. you know, it's not quite in production, but you can map your physical exterior surface data to this rolling chassis because of the nodes, mm-hmm. because of, you know, locating this in space with the cameras. Check this out. I'm, I'm actually looking at Kristen Lee's article. She wrote, uh, she puts, put together some nice information on the Jalopnik site about it with uh, a few GIFs and videos. And it's it's interesting because it does make sense from a fast production kind of thing. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can put any kind of car in there. You can make show cars go fast. You can bring show cars yeah. to life that otherwise would be a $3 million you know, piece of foam sitting there on a show car stand yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I'm all well, for this, you know, just like I said, it's, I'm a little mixed, but I'm, I'm always pushing towards the technology side of things. And this kind of delights me. I really like seeing the combination of both of these, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, ha- I have conflicting thoughts on it. I mean, you, you deal with so much of this really high-end data where, you know, you can put the data onto a real background and it looks unbelievably realistic in, in, its, in any kind of 2D or even 3D render. Now, that's not really a motion video thing, but there's a small leap from taking that data and then laying it on top of a chassis where you have the actual rolling information, the actual suspension movement information, and an actual shadow information from this rolling chassis. I get it from a, uh, from a production standpoint, especially if you have a car that we only have one prototype or the prototype has to be here while you guys shoot there. I get that. What I think is funny about it, though, the other side of me is the part of – so the filmmaker in me goes, I see it. But the part of me that does what we do for the show, it bugs the heck out of me. Because one of the <laughs> yeah. things I already don't like about TV, uh, car commercials on TV is – you really don't know anything about how the car drives from a car commercial. And now we're taking a step even further. We're proving that out even more. The actual car wasn't even on set being actually driven. We're just telling you it's awesome. We got some beauty shots of it. I'm sitting here going, really? I mean, I feel like it right. makes, this sounds weird, but it, it makes those of us that actually drive the car and tell you what it's like. That makes us more unique than the car commercial, which is kind of <laughs> shocking. I mean, the, the best correlation I can come up with is it's, it's burger commercials. The burgers in a burger commercial never look like the actual burgers. That's True. what we're talking about. True. We're talking about the car equivalent of that. It's the car equivalent of food photography. It's cold. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. taste good, but man, does it look good. Now, I will say, these commercials being produced, they are smoke and mirrors. I mean, right up marketing's line of work. Completely. This is what marketing Completely. does is smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And that's what it's yeah. for. It's not to capture the dynamics or a review or, a, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. any of the stuff that you and I focus on. Certainly it's just yeah. for let's put this on camera. We can take it anywhere, you know, Agreed. Agreed. And, and get that data out there sooner and beat a production line, you know, and any color you want. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I, no, I mean, it, I see that it's, there's a massive flexibility in it production wise. And and what's funny is what it what it spurs in me. I had a couple people that are like, "Well, you should use this to shoot cars." And first off, I thought, whatever it costs to rent this is probably our budget for the year. <laughs> right, that was one of the things right. I thought of. The second thing I thought of is, no, no, no. Seeing that you can fake the car on camera makes me want to go drive the real one and put it on camera even more. That's the oh, response absolutely. it has in me. It's yeah. actually very funny. But anyway, yeah, the dead giveaway very cool, is the though. shadow on the very floor cool. on the ground because it'll never quite match exactly to a real car of what it is. So anyway, but still, who's looking at that, right? You're looking at the car. You're looking yeah. at the coolness. It's 
it's cool. I admit, you know, I mean, come on. There's, uh, as we know, you know, you get into the Fast and Furious movies, and three quarters of those cars are digital when they're doing anything. So, I mean, we, we've we've left. I'm aware of the fact that that the 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 milk is spilt already, if you will. I mean, we're, we're yeah, way past yeah. anything that is realistic in most stuff, and that's actually what's we've talked about it before. It's funny when people watch our our videos and they're like, well. You're not driving the car fast. I'm going, no, no, that's what a car actually looks like at 80. That's what it really looks <laughs> yeah, like at 80. truly. It's not what it looks like at 80, then turn up to 160% of real time. No, no, that's actual 80 miles an hour right there. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, just, it, it's cool. Yeah, the technology being pushed. I'm always, always for it. Um, I'd love to know, somebody probably knows, I'd love to know what they spent to develop that rig. I'm sure the, oh. day, the day rate on it is exorbitant, but I would love to know what they spent to develop that rig. And clearly, they believe there was a business case for it where if we build it, they will come kind of thing. And if you know, if we build it, then car companies will clamor to use this. They clearly thought that was the case. Well, yeah. I think it, it's an interesting gamble, but I would love to know the development cost because it had to be large, frankly. I'll bet you it was paid for within the few first few commercials they did with it, though. And now it's just a moneymaker, you know. I well, think. and I don't, but I don't know what it's been used for yet. I mean, everybody's that that their little promotional video has gone viral, which is exactly what they hoped for. Let's be honest. Sure. Right. I don't know how much it's been used yet, but they are the only ones holding this tech. So for a while, they've got the lead, and they'll make a killing, which is good for them. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of like the hack rod that we're. We're working on this collaboration. You guys should know about this, and it it has a lot to do with the tech part of side, side of things, but brought to you by the Bandito Brothers, those guys who built all the Mattel Hot Wheels sets, f- doing sure, the yeah. world record jumps. So just go to hackrod.com. Very similar, but this is more on the side of, hey, if you you know design it a certain way, you can use software to and 3D printing to make this car your own and very much personalize mm-hmm. it more. Very similar, sure. but... But uh, also mm. kind of cool. Look, looks uh, fairly similar for the the test rig that they built for the hack rod. But kind of reminds mm. me of that. Very cool. Anyway, but uh, we can well, keep let's jumping. Move on to yeah, let's move on to Jason. Uh, Jason's writing to us from Clearwater, Florida, and uh, he's saying that his family has a lot of cars right now. They have this again. We talked about it at the top of the podcast. He's got a Ford Raptor, uh, twenty fourteen. They have three kids, age six, seven, and twelve. His wife drives a Chevy Suburban, a 2012 Chevy Suburban, which is the primary kid hauler, kid duty car. And, you know, all of those kids bring friends. So that often has six kids in the back. So the Chevy Suburban's not going anywhere. It has a task. It has a role. It does it well. So congratulations for your Chevy Suburban. So that's good. You're looking at that Raptor going, I live in Florida. I never use this off-road. Why do I have a Raptor again? But then the (laughs) other thing that's interesting. Why did I get this car? Exactly. The other thing that's interesting is you happen to have an old Toyota Avalon, a 2001 of that so that's around as a daily driver if you need it. That feels like an oddball to me. And then you have an RV that you tow, but again, the Suburban can tow that too. So you're looking around going, all right, why is the Raptor here? I could sell it. You're telling us you could have around 50, 55 grand to spend uh, after you sell the Raptor. Uh, and you're starting to think about a, a just a car, frankly, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. You do want it to be able to seat four people. And because of your kids, you ideally would like it to also have four doors. But even that's not a requirement. You've thrown out some ideas, but you're looking for help out of the Raptor into something better. Well, as you said, the budget is pretty healthy, between forty-five and mm-hmm. fifty-five thousand. And the I'm trying to get a through line here of the cars that Jason has owned in his past, including All an eighty-two nine eleven SC. He's owned. Did yep. you see that two Porsche nine fourteens, both from the seventies? I did see that. So yep. very yep. lightweight. I mean, that's kind of the 
Porsche equivalent of then of, uh, you know, like an MR2 or just, you know, something, the Absolutely. Speedster, just that yeah. super yeah, yeah, yeah. duper stripped away, lightweight, lightweight thing. Uh, what else? A Mustang GT from 07. There's a bit mm-hmm. of, you know, oddball in here, like a 63 Rambler American 220. Uh, <laughs> not sure what to do with but, that, Jason. <laughs> but Saturn Sky Redline, you've got a Mark II Volkswagen GTI, even a Corrado. I mean, you've, you've owned all kinds of brands, yeah, cars yeah. from all over the world. There's been some fun stuff mixed with some big stuff. I mean, FJ Cruiser, I mean, this is, it's very mixed, which I like so much because that allows us, Jason, to kind of talk about whatever. You've thrown out your favorite three not because you go, these are the cars, but because this is clearly where your brain is going, talking about four doors, four seats. You're going, should I get a Focus RS? Should I get a Tesla Model S, which is not the same? Or should you get a Chevy <laughs> SS? Again, not the same as that. The, these three, these <laughs> nice. three cars are very different, but it does give me a through line of, you. I, I feel like, the only one I've found here so far, Paul, and I'm looking for it too, is you want a car. Yes. You'd like four doors. Yes. You'd like it to be interesting to drive. These are the takeaways that I have. And I, I, I got stuck on a rabbit trail here that I'm actually kind of excited about. I have a really interesting wild card for this. Really? But I also wanted to talk to his ideas. But where are you? I was thinking Hot Hatch initially, just kind mm-hmm. of tying back into his early GTI love, the Corrado. I keep hearing about Scirocco and Corrado love. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's undying, you know, keepers of the flame. But then, you know, if you really push on people who own those cars, they would say, well, yeah, and the switches would fall off in your hands, and then I'd have to do this, <laughs> and yeah, 90 horsepower on my early Scirocco, and you know, this and that. But the love is undying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that. I, those turn my head. I I dug those Corrados. They were cool looking. Um, you know, just the concept alone. So I guess I'm kind of gravitating more towards something hot hatchy somewhere somewhere in that mm-hmm. that that's why that focus rs stands out and you could easily do it for that budget as a matter of fact you just saw one in park city uh when just a few days ago scooting around yeah so and i, I here's the thing i mean on the forefront ken, of ken block is here in park city and we know that he had focus rs uh had a few development cars early on yeah. in its life, and I don't think he was public about them at all. This one was different. I don't think this was a Ken Block car because this had Michigan press car plates on it, which yeah. suggests yeah. to me that either somebody had it in Salt Lake and was up for the night having dinner in Park City, or I'm actually wondering if maybe somebody was doing a long road trip in the RS for some magazine and they stopped in Park City. That could I be. so wish I sure. could have known who that was. I didn't necessarily want to be that guy that went and stalked them, because I even think I know what restaurant they were in. But oh, I didn't really? really want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I debated it, but I thought, you know, we do have that car coming in our lineup. I was just <laughs> shocked to be in a town as small as we have and here, here it was. You know how you could have done that is saying, yeah, does somebody have a blue Ford? It's getting towed right now. You, they would have jumped up immediately and ha You know it, yeah. Just exactly. kidding. Hey. Blue Ford with a wing. <laughs> Just kidding, but congratulations. You get to now meet me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that we would have do firmly it. Ruined, that would have firmly ruined their night. Anyway, moving on, yes. That's funny. Well, the size of cars that you already have is why I keep coming back to this. And I, I like the Focus okay. RS. I like something like uh, the Chevy Camaro because it is a bit smaller. Again, having not driven the new SS, hmm. something like that. I think it could be interesting and different. You're also in Florida, so no discussion of tires or you know winter tires yeah, or anything true, like that is true, quite true. necessary. And you could easily go rear-wheel drive. Um, yeah, I just come back to smaller because the Avalon is you know boring. The Suburban is kid yeah. duty. 
So let's get you into something that's fairly hot. I mean, I think mm-hmm. of the areas that you're in, and Florida strikes me as flat and straight for miles. So what car yeah. is good for flat and straight for miles? And well, maybe that's not hot hatch at this point. Now that I'm thinking this through. Oh, you've just you've just given me another idea. Hmm. Just a second, another idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to speak to his thoughts. I look. I don't know about the Focus RS personally for you. I think you've got three kids. You want some usability. You've had bigger cars. I, I like look. I like the Focus RS. I I don't still think it makes sense here. And as much as I like even manual transmission, I think the other thing that makes sense for you is an automatic. Let's get you something interesting that can get family in it, but also can be just fun underfoot. It can just run and be interesting. You brought up the Tesla Model S, and my question back to you is twofold, Jason. One is. Well, 55K, maybe you can get in one. You can definitely find them. The certified pre-owned thing that Tesla's doing, you can find them out there. You're not going to get one with a ton of range that way. You're probably going to get the uh, 160-, 200-mile range at that at that uh, price point. You have to look into it in detail. Which brings up the second question, which is, look at your life. And honestly, does that fit your life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because plenty of room... And I think you'd find it interesting. I think in that regard, it wins. It would just be a car you would find interesting to drive. And all the kind of driving you do, you would enjoy it. You could get plenty of kids in it. It's got great space. I like it for all of those reasons. But depending upon how you use your car, does it work for your life? You actually do have to think about that when you go electric, even with the Model S's. So that's interesting. And, of course, you say Chevy SS. I have to say, yes, Chevy SS is a great option. I've thought of... Two or three others. Actually, I'm going to go with three others, and then I have a totally in the weeds wild card. I'm curious because now I'm debating things like is a Corvette too out in the weeds here? I'm just because this would be your fun car. Clearly, the Avalon and the Suburban are for kid duty. You can do all that kind of stuff with those cars. Do you need kids, or maybe it's the fun, you know, you're taking your oldest, your 12-year-old in this do, one. Do, do you need kids? That's a whole separate theological discussion right there. really wrong. Yeah. That came out completely yeah. wrong. That it's, was it's, it's, that, not that, that, what that I really meant. Is. It's, like, it's, like a, it's like a sociology question. <laughs> do you need kids? Do you, need, do you really? I didn't mean anyway, that. Yeah. I, that came out completely I wrong. Uh, I was okay. thinking, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to give you trouble anyway. But is that too... I understand. Is that cheesy for Florida? Is it? I'm just, I don't know. I'm just well it depends how far he wants to drift and get into something totally different. I mean, you could get a fantastic vet for this kind of money. I see where you are. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, it's going to be fun, fast. I mean, we're not talking really a lot of twisty mountain roads here. We're talking about yeah. You know, straight flat highways, really. So uh anyway, I'm curious I'm gonna, what you're thinking though. I'm going to give you three things that I think you should go drive, Jason, that you could get any of them. And then I'm going to give you a wild card, okay? With a whole, my wild card has a whole like battle plan to it, so we'll get there. But <laughs> I like the this. three. I think you should drive, okay? Because I, I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, you've had big hauling cars, cars that haul people and gear and all that kind of stuff, and then the Avalon, which is your kind of this goes places and can haul people and is a perfectly acceptable yeah, sedan. Yeah. So I went, okay, all right, let's get you into something very different. Let's get you into something that feels kind of like an occasion. It's kind of nice and kind of an occasion because it still has to do all those things. But what is something that you just think, I drive this car. That's really cool. The Model S might do that. The Chevy SS, uh, as much as I love it, I don't know that it does that. However, you could get a used Panamera for this kind of money. Yeah. And it could do everything you're talking about. PDK. You could get a used. You get a used. Exactly. You get a used Audi A7 for this kind of money. 
So drive both those cars. And also, I have to say it, <clears throat> Hellcat, you could find yourself a Charger Hellcat for this kind of money. You're going to have to shop smart. I don't think there's, they're Are growing on trees. Are we at 55 but... for a Hellcat, though? I mean, used? Are well, we but... at that price I don't, you know, it may, right uh, look, I'll be honest, maybe not. But if not, you're, you're at what? The Hemi just below that? This is not a slow car. Right. Big charger right. with a big Hemi in it. Tons of power, tons of space. Go drive the most powerful charger you can get into for your money, a used Panamera and a used A7. I think you need to drive those cars because I think it will do everything that you're wanting to do. But that brings me to my wild card. Do you want me to? Should I go wild card, or do you have other other things to jump in here? Uh, I I I'm really eager to hear. I, I mean, the the stuff you're suggesting okay. is good. It makes me think. Well, get rid of the Avalon. There's no reason to Thank keep that you. around. Around really. This is this is my question. That that is my big elephant in the room in this discussion. You've you've gone exactly where my brain did, and that is as I read this, I go, wait a minute. Why is the Avalon staying? Right. Yeah, I'm I, sure I it's, can't figure out a purpose of it. Maybe it's paid and it's for probably, and it's just, uh, it just of runs. Of course it is. Of know? course it is. And it's going to be, I, I looked them up, it's probably going to, you're probably going to sell that for eight to ten grand. Okay? So I'm going to be generous because we always are generous. You sell it for ten and now you have 65 to play with. Hello. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> you have far more far more options on the Tesla Model S world. You may find yourself now that Hellcat Charger. You, I mean, all of the above, that's going to help you. I don't see why the Avalon stays. I can't for the life of me figure yeah, out its purpose. Yeah, I'm looking at this, especially now that you're looking for another four-door. A Tesla yeah. is like a electric Avalon. I mean, it's not, but you know what I mean. In, it's in better, but yeah. But, you're, but no, I, I totally see. The things you're going to go it, use it for, get rid of the But Avalon. what we're talking about is overlap. We're talking about getting a car mm. that overlaps what the Avalon does. At that point, I'm like, why is the Avalon staying? Okay. Just kick that to the curb with the Raptor. And you know where I went? Mm. Used Mercedes C63 AMG. Really? The current one. 2015. Now, look, at 65 grand, it's not like there's tons of them. But between sixty-five and seventy, like sixty-seven grand, find one. Just to go, just go find one. They, they're out there, pre-owned, twenty-fifteen C sixty-three AMGs. We but we don't talk about Mercedes much, but we both really like the new current uh, C class anyway. Yeah, that C sixty. So so honestly, even if you couldn't find that C sixty-three AMG, you get the next hottest one you can find. I bet you'd really enjoy it. But that C sixty-three AMG is an unbelievably good car. Honestly, it has a sense of occasion. I love the interior. Actually, it's my one of my favorite Mercedes stylings in a long time. Definitely my favorite C-Class styling ever. Uh, it has cool styling. It's got a great interior. There's a sense of occasion just being in it, driving slowly. But that C63 AMG, that car can hoon. Yeah, it's it can. It's fast. It's dynamic. So if you had a good road you wanted to just throw down with that car, you would have a blast driving it. If you want to drive it slowly to a nice dinner with your wife or you want to take the family out or whatever, bring it. That car would be great. That is a totally different life experience car than anything you've driven. It creates one car in your lineup that is kind of an occasion car. When you get in it, it's just cool and fun and interesting. So oh, I, yeah. that's my wild card. I, look. I've had you sell the Avalon. I've had you push your budget. I know I'm in wild card territory. But that popped into my brain, and I went, wait, there's a car for you. Hmm. What is that? Is that an AMG? I was just reading about the the latest C-Class that was just a step down from that uh, that AMG. I think it was the 400, if I'm not mistaken. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, we both like that C-Class. It's it's something else. Um, 
Of course, they want you and to... And if you uh, step down... Special offers, type in your zip code. Of course they do. Of course. And if, and if you step down from the AMG, you could, you could build yourself an awfully nice C-Class, and it would still be a, an unbelievably good car. But I really... I did. I thought, hmm, wait a minute. You could get certified pre-owned, which avoids your maintenance issue questions. You know, I mean, I, as sure. far as I know, those are sure. good, but I mean, they're early yet. So... I'm a big fan of that current C, and I'm a big fan of that version of it. I, yeah, I, I gotta say. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. There's a 450 AMG sedan. That might be it. Those start at okay. 50,000 brand new. Three liter okay. twin turbo V6, 362 horsepower. Which Ooh. is not exactly nothing. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's the new C450 AMG. Okay. That might be the so sweet ste- spot. Yeah, so step down from the C63 if you want to go new or newer. I mean, the C63, I'll be honest, that's a find. You find that car for your budget under 70K, it's going to be a find. I will fully acknowledge that, but that's why it's my wild card category. You're now headed toward kind of more realistic, you really could go find one, you know, go to your local dealer kind of thing, which is great too. So that, I'm going to stay there. I'm going to stay wow. there. Wow, that AMG 60, C63 starts at 65, so 70, know, if you could swing 70, but... Yeah, maybe that 450 is the sweet spot right now. Brand new. It might be. Warranty. It might be. That's yeah. a special new new thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Raptor to and Mercedes. And totally different. And totally huh. different life experience. But his list, there's nothing like that on there. There's nothing That's that true. is That's the true. fast, classy German sedan. And I just thought, wait, let's put you in that. Let's get you an occasion car for the family and for you and your wife. And I, I, that's, I've got to stay there. So... Should we move on to Matt? Yeah, Second. let's uh, let's talk about Matt here, who is, uh, he didn't say where he's from, but he has mentioned that his good friend's son just recently graduated college, living out on the West Coast in Santa Barbara, California. He is 23, and really, at that age, you don't have much of a driving history, so his is driving his dad's Chevy Silverado V6 and mm-hmm. a 2012 Ford Focus that was... Uh, that had undergone the lemon law process. So let's just say yep. less than We're ideal. Under that. Yep. And I, yep. I don't blame you if you don't want to go back that way. Ford has some great products, but I don't blame you. But they took the money and ran. So essentially they got about $15,000 and they're wanting something for him. So he's 23. He needs to take out his girlfriend and some other friends. Mm-hmm. So think road trips. Think four-door. Maybe coupes, but think four-door. Think new tech. I mean, we all want the newest, latest tech. That's not exactly the reason to buy a car, but it's got to have something that is newish but and that's new on his enough. Brain. That's on his brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly, he said in here in the list, Matt said that no Honda or Toyota products because uh, his dad and Matt are German car fans. And then Wagon Averse, so clearly... You're not going to be a car journalist if you're wagon averse ever in your life. Well, what's what's interesting about this that that Matt has written in is this is not for him. It's not for his family. It's for his best friend's just graduated college son. So we've taken a weird kind of off into left field turn, but cool. That's awesome. And what I what I get when I read this is this this kid we're talking about, 23 years old, just out of college. I don't get the sense that he's a car guy either. Okay, because no, no, I don't. He's 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 interested in tech. In his car. Okay, well, that's what we talk about all the time. Where this, Listen to the salesman spend an hour on the tech. We haven't even gotten to how the car drives yet. So tech is, is interesting. And he, it's funny. He says he's wagon-averse and describes them as those are cars for old people. And I have a response to that coming up in a minute. But, okay, we're talking about fifteen <laughs> okay. grand to spend. 
I'm, and uh, and so they're asking, what is it? He's not a hard driver. He's even considered a, a Volkswagen TDI product in spite of the recall that's now being sorted out uh, because, you know, he's interested in gas mileage. This is not a, a car enthusiast first thing. And yet I have three interesting options that uh, Matt, t- take your, your son, uh, take your friend and his son out and drive these three cars I'm going to recommend uh, for very different reasons, because I want to see how it how it sparks him. But where where did you go on this? Well, Matt, you mentioned this Passat, and again because of the the German car thing, and I thought it it seems like we're sticking with fifteen thousand. It seems like that's mm-hmm. kind of our the yep, thing that that's where we're we are. With. That's where we are. And I thought, well, if you're looking at a Passat, you've got to look at a slightly used CC, far more style, and about the same sure. interior space. I mean, if you're already sure. looking yeah, yeah. at the that. Volkswagen and you're kind of thinking German, you've got to look at the mm-hmm, CC. Mm-hmm. I think far more stylish. I think it actually says it's a little bit older than a 23-year-old, personally. So that is, for me, a bit of a strike yeah, against that car. that's a question. I agree. I agree. You yeah. know, but I hear you. No Honda Accords, no Camrys, no of the typical four-door kind of stuff. But for 15K, have you taken a look at Mazdas? I mean... Mm, you're mm, saying yeah. no Honda or Toyota, but you didn't say no Japanese. So, okay. True, true. And this Mazda 6 over here is stylish. And 15K is going to get you very far towards quite a nice, slightly used Mazda 6 that mm-hmm. both Todd and I like. This is, yeah, loads of style. It's got good tech. It's They're just, they're good cars. The The newer cars that Mazda has been making impress both of us. And I just thought, you've got to, you know, have this wandering eye over to Mazda because you didn't say no Japanese cars. You said no <laughs> Honda or Toyota. We are following along with the class but and reading. Yes, I we get are. the fact that you're German. I get that. But, you know, Japanese cars still rule the world as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of tech, reliability, and stuff you can get for a low price. Now, well, and that's a, not a along those generic lines, though, statement, but that's up there, you know? I, along those lines, though, you, you bring up Mazda, which honestly my brain didn't go there for some reason, but I do love that. We have to say Mazda 3 as well as the 6. The yes. 3 might be more his style. You can, of course, get Could that be. in the sedan version. Could be. You know, and, and the 3 is a – there's no way around it. The Mazda 3 is a great car. It's a great car. And you can get a couple-year-old one for that fifteen grand, still be in the current body style – there really is nothing wrong with that car other than it might not meet his tastes. But that's a good-looking sedan, lots of tech. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good option, too. I like that you went to Mazda. I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're in a great standing there. Keep going. I mean, I thought Ford, you know, like a Ford Fusion kind of fits that bill. But the Fusions are really designed specifically for pharmaceutical reps. I mean, with much love to pharma <laughs> reps everywhere... <laughs> It's a Ford Edge <laughs> or, or a Ford Fusion. Yikes. Take your pick. Yikes. And that's, that's what funny. it's for. I mean, they're good cars. Yeah. I They're fine. But, you know, but we want you to have something that's a little bit spicier, a little bit maybe better looking. And, and I'm I, excited I about that. that. With tongue in cheek. but uh, Yeah, I'm excited about that all-wheel drive Fusion they're talking about. I forget what their, their naming is for it. I don't remember if it's oh, an SVT yeah, or not. Yeah. But, Talking about close to 350 horsepower and all-wheel drive. That's a Fusion I want to drive. But, you know, what I wondered about is, okay, so you're, you're sending back the 2012 Ford Focus. Are you averse to Ford? Ford was a brand I wanted to stay away from with one exception. Okay. And this is in my – and I, I do this all the time, Matt, I know. but And I just did it a minute ago in the last car debate. But I have my list of things you should go drive. And one of them in here – I'm going to list three. 
and two of them I think are genuine contenders for your friend's son. But the first one I want to list just because I think it's a life experience your friend's son needs. Purely because he's looking at a car for the purpose of tech and also because he's averse to wagons. Yeah. Please go drive a used Fiesta ST. <laughs> go drive it. Go drive it well. Go drive it decently. Just because I, w- I would love to be a fly on the wall on the go-to-lunch conversation between you three guys after this kid drives the Fiesta ST. Look, it's got a plasticky interior. Of course, you can get Bluetooth and stuff, but it's got a oh, cheap, yeah, cheap, cheap yeah. interior. Yes, it's a wagon. No, it's not the greatest-looking car ever. But I'm sorry. You don't get out of a Fiesta a- ST and say, that's an old person's car. You don't do that. It's not possible. So no, if wagon no. equals old person's car, then what's the Fiesta ST? Please go drive that car. Please have him drive that car. That's this, that's as close to Ford as I'm going. I don't think that's the answer here, but I think it's one of that's those. That's a good benchmark, though. That's a good, you've got to drive is. this and car it, and know about it, and it because if you don't, and it show it. it shows him a different category in the car world that he would probably never consider, probably still wouldn't buy, but just get that life experience and go, okay. Open your eyes to wagons and dynamics. You still don't need to buy that. They may not work. But just to have it in your back pocket and move forward. I have two recommendations, though, at this price point that I think would be really interesting to everything they've listed. I'm curious. I'm curious Um, where you went. Well, everybody's saying you like Germans. Okay, go go back a generation in BMW into the E90 series, okay? And look at the 328i all day long for 15 grand. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. Keep keep going. I'm curious. I'm, I won't comment. Well, yet. I mean, I that's won't comment yet. That, well, here's the thing. Yes, you're buying yourself a used BMW. I get it. There's going to be maintenance involved, but you've already said that there's a, there's an interest here, a proclivity, you might even say, for German cars. <laughs> so, okay, let's look at that 328i. That is a worthwhile car. That is a baller car for a guy just out of college, but yet you didn't buy the big, snorty M anything. You just bought the 328i. So yeah. I think that's a worthwhile one. And then we're talking tech. We need some space. We want some gas mileage. I went, wait, 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 wait. First generation Chevy Volt. Hmm. It's like a Coca-Cola commercial. All the 23-year-olds in the car get out smiling, and they're all drinking Coke, and it's a Volt, and it's awesome, and it's beach, and bubbles everywhere. I well, can but, see the commercial. I, I, I didn't. See it. I didn't think about the bubbles. I was with you until you got to bubbles. But but you the know point how they is, have those bubbles the, floating throughout. Yeah. And you're like, where did that? What does that have to do with? Yeah. Okay, it's the world. Is there is, is there a bubble guy apparently. off camera? You know, they say cut between takes, and somebody went, "I'm sorry, I got to see more bubbles." I gotta, yeah, that, that probably. I got to reload the bubble yeah. machine over here. I mean, the world. There, is... There's a. <laughs> well. Because oh, when when you shoot it when you shoot at night when you shoot at night in the city you have the guy that just worries about the smoke machine when you shoot in the summertime on the beach you have the person that just worries about bubbles for lens flare I mean th- these are actual jobs people I I hate to say it but there they are That's but really no funny. the the, she- the Chevy Volt is one of those cars that I guarantee you it drives better than you think it does it just does it drives really well. They're unique. They're interesting to look at. You can get good gas mileage in your combination of your electric versus your uh, versus your gas mileage when you do burn gas. Uh, it's just a, it's a unique car. And since we're talking about uh, we're talking about tech and gas mileage and these kind of things, I think that's a more interesting choice than a, than a TDI Passat for sure. So uh, that's why I put that out there. I like that far better than the BMW choice. To be honest, the BMW choice mm. is good to fit. 
what, you know, Matt and, you know, his best friend are trying to put on, on this guy. I just think you need to have a German car later in life when you have more money and just have the attention span to Maybe. take care of the thing. Because at 23, Possibly. you just want to drive and it's going to be road trips and fun and I, I didn't have a German car at 23. I don't know that I would have sure. taken care of sure. one like I do mm, mm. these days. Yeah, yeah fair point. I, I mean, that. I just think they're trying to, like, you want to be a doctor when you grow up, right? You're going to be a doctor. <laughs> We're sending you to med school, right? You know, you're sort of putting your, yeah, yeah. you know, your dreams. And just because you're German car guys now, were you at 23, Matt? I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, I was a car yeah, fan. Possibly. I, just, I didn't own one. But I like the Volt yeah. for the low-maintenance aspect. I like the Mazda for the low-maintenance aspect of it. The tech is great, and if I those like, Volts are fifteen grand, then... They are, all day long. All day long. And I, 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 like, I like that Mazda 3. Now, I will admit, I've heard a couple people with reliability horror stories on the Chevy Volt. But at the same time, I've heard other people that all it did was run. Never gave them a, a snippet of a problem, and all it did was run. So, you know, there is some new tech involved there. But it's a much better car than you think. It's an interesting car. It's worthwhile to drive. I think the Chevy Volt is a real contender. And I do think your Mazda idea, either the 6 or the 3, I think those have to be driven here, too. Yeah, those have got to be in the mix as well. And, uh... You know, just different. I mean, they're just mm -hmm, interesting mm -hmm. and different. And by the way, they don't come with a CVT, so that's why we didn't say Nissan. They're gears. Yeah, well, they're I mean, actual transmissions. They're, they're, they're genuinely good to drive. Yeah. Both of yeah, those cars are. are genuinely good to drive. Absolutely true. They are. Well, hopefully that helps, Matt. And uh, yeah, hopefully share the podcast with uh, with your son's with your friend's son. And uh, we're very curious to uh, to hear what they got. And that goes for mm -hmm, you, too, uh, Jason, in Florida. That goes for you, too, when you get rid of the Raptor. By the way, everybody, if you're looking to buy a Raptor, please contact. <laughs> <laughs> Jason in Clearwater, Florida is selling his Raptor. It sounds lovely. So if you're looking for one, like we Todd have... is... Then we um, have it. We, yeah, exactly. Of course go. I am. We have it. We have an accidental used car lot that's happening on. I on think it'd be hilarious if somehow, yeah. sometime we, we made the connection. This person's selling that this would car. Be very funny. What would be very funny. What if it showed we, up in this person's hand. Oh, here it yeah. is. We got the car swap. If we could two car debates and the car this person is getting rid of and wants to get into just <laughs> happens to be owned by this other person over here. And what if they just traded pink slips? We'd be like, It's ah. just a pink, pink slip swap. Thank you, everyday driver. <laughs> and off we go. Yeah. Uh -huh. You change with him. You change with him. You change with her. She can change with you. And we're all happy, right? Go. Awesome. Who's buying lunch? All right. <laughs> Transaction done. Here we go. Yeah, I hear you. That would be ridiculous. But who knows? Maybe it'll happen at some point. Uh, we uh, we did not ask for new Facebook questions uh, this evening because there was uh, travel involved as we were headed out for the holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah. But we did have one that was kind of a longer discussion point that I wanted to resurrect from uh, from the last round, and that is Dan Corwin. Actually, somebody else asked something similar, but Dan Corwin worded it pretty quickly. He said, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive. Compare and contrast was his question. Somebody asked, asked somebody else asked something very similar about rear-wheel drive versus front-wheel drive on a track compare and contrast those. So I thought it might be just gut reactions here. I, I'm sure there will be things about this we will both forget when we're talking about it. But just kind of shooting from the hip, I wanted to talk about those three different drivetrains and pros and cons and the dynamic differences because that's essentially what Dan's asking. 
Yeah, I like this question. And I want to throw back to you, Dan, the fact that nowadays in modern times, you cannot just dice it up quite like that. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, mid-engine. Yeah. Well, is it front bias rear, rear, mid-engine or is it rear <laughs> bias mid-engine? Which exactly is it? Sure. Because that does affect the dynamics. So here we go. An all-wheel drive Audi. Now they're throwing the, the split like uh, 4060. The Haldex yeah. all-wheel drive, quote-unquote, systems are 90% front-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, you know, front-wheel drive cars have been turned on their ear by the existence of the Focus and the Fiesta ST. I mean, sure, sure. You, you cannot come away and say, oh, front-wheel drive cars, I don't like those anymore. And here I've been saying that for so long, and these two mm-hmm. cars came along, they've dropped in price, and they just transform your driving experience just by virtue yeah. of the engineering that's gone into these that's called a different name by every manufacturer. Now, rear-wheel sure. drive is rear-wheel drive. We know it. We love it. I feel like it's the benchmark. It's the standard. It's one we can always come back to is we like rear-wheel drive. The things yeah. you can do with the car, yeah. the way it you know performs, responds, the expectations you can bring to that are fair. But then these all-wheel drive and front-wheel drive cars have gotten so different and good that one yeah, all-wheel drive car is that. not like another. That GTI uh, or the Golf R, unlike the Subaru WRX STIs. You know, all these, we, we've got to be careful well, and just not just categorize it too broadly in these other two categories. Rear-wheel drive, yes. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting but, point. You're, because, like, speaking of the all-wheel drive thing real quick, three cars I'm going to mention that are all all-wheel drive. Direct competitors. We've got the uh, the STI, the Golf R, and yeah. the Evo. Yeah. Okay. Technically, all all wheel drive. Technically, all front wheel drive original original chassis. If you follow what I'm saying, you can get the front wheel drive version of all of those cars. Oh, I see. How right. they arrive? How they arrive at all wheel drive is totally different. You've got Subaru with its locked off fifty fifty split. Right, right. You've got your uh, your Golf R with a guess what? It's front wheel drive car until you really need something at the back, and then you've got the Evo, which <laughs> right. is trying to play mini mini GTR and asking which wheel needs power. All all wheel drive all feel very different as a result of that. So you're right. I mean, I, I'm going to try to stick to more traditional uh, run of the mill descriptions of each of the three and i will list them in in favorite order dan is the way you've listed them i would most prefer rear wheel drive followed by front wheel pardon me rear wheel followed by all wheel followed by front wheel that's my one two three preference but as paul brought up that is changing i mean it's almost impossible to drive something like a fiesta st and not get out and be like that's better than a lot of all wheel or rear wheel drive cars because it is um the the thing about rear wheel that speaks to us so much and speaks to so many people is you're separating the tasks for the wheels. Right. And as right. a result, it creates a feel in the steering and it creates a lightness in the steering that all wheel or front wheel drive just cannot deliver. They just are unable to because the wheels only have one thing to do. And so from a precision standpoint, and if it's done right, from a balance standpoint, you feel like... The, the car is much more coherent to uh, different inputs. The power does one thing. The steering does another. Sure, they interact, but they don't, they don't overlap, which is one of the cool things about rear-wheel drive. And then, of course, you can go further and go rear-wheel drive mid-engine feels very different than rear-wheel drive front-engine. Right. You can get See, into those nuances further. You're changing we the can, recipe we can, more. Yeah. We can dice it immensely, but ultimately, I mean, take, I'll take three real quick. You go, uh, you go rear-wheel drive, um, something like a BMW M2, uh, 
rear-wheel drive mid-engine like your Cayman or rear-wheel drive rear-engine like a classic 911. Right. All rear-wheel drive. Right. All have nice, light, precise steering feel, but depending upon how far back that engine gets, it changes its desire to oversteer, and it also changes how light that steering starts to feel. Yeah. You know, yeah. take something like a Lotus Elise, it's 60% weight in the rear. That's awfully light steering feel, but I love it. But in general, though, separating out the tasks makes for a much more refined, oh, that's what steering does. Oh, this is what power does. It, it, it separates things out and keeps things from being blurred and cloudy, if that makes sense. Well, you're also talking about how we approach our reviews, and th those thoughts are going through our minds and wanting to separate out those feels in a car sure. as we're driving. Sure. Now, is yeah, that yeah. always easy to do? No, it's not. It's not always clear to think, all right, now was that... You know, was that wheel throwing power or was the inside wheel breaking mm, for mm. me? What am I feeling here? You know, sure. try to take the power out of the equation. And then, you know, now we're getting to steering racks and the proliferation of electromechanical steering racks. And that's changing the feel of rear of, you know, say a rear wheel drive car, <laughs> front engine, the weight over the front wheels. You know, it's it's you're seeing it. It can be kind of a, an endless rabbit trail here. But. We're trying yeah. to separate all of the feels that Todd has mentioned here and think, okay, what what do I like? What's responding in my hands? I suppose the, you know, front engine and mid-engine cars being, you know, sort of the standard, well, 911s too, you know, just for the rear yeah. rear wheel drive, yeah. front wheel, light front uh, front steering. And then from there, what do we not like? You know, whether it's an all-wheel drive mm, car, mm. quote-unquote, and that Haldex system is you know, doing something funny and you're hard on the inside. No, that's just not putting the power down how I'd like it. And it feels slower through the corner or something like that. So that's where we go off into the, hmm, well, what don't I like I, about I the get dynamics? The sense, you know? I get the sense that four hours from now, Dan, we will not have an answer here, but we're we will just still be talking started. about this idea, just... which I'm fine with. I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I, I would also say, and I'm trying to stay with headlines, even though I will do a very poor job, in general, all-wheel drive has a tendency to feel the heaviest of this group. Yeah. And many times, dynamically, it fundamentally is the heaviest. But it has the hardest task of feeling light on its feet because there's so much going on. But what's interesting about a well-set-up all-wheel drive car is the power-solves-all scenario of an all-wheel drive car. You're in the snow. You're in a corner. You're in a straight line. It is raining. It's just, well, you know what I need right now is more right foot. I mean, that's really right. what Less starts to happen that is so funny. Throttle, you know? That's what's so funny about all-wheel drive when it's done well. I mean, the GTR does it. The Evo does it. There are you know, lots of supercars now that do it as well where you're in a corner and you want to crawl out. Well, give it power and tell it vaguely where you want to go, and the car will sort it out for you in a way that front-wheel drive and uh, rear-wheel drive traditionally can't just scrabble their way out and solve the problem. A lot of these all-wheel drive cars now... They they turn in like a front-wheel drive car. And they don't feel rear-wheel drive. They turn in like a front-wheel drive car, and then they solve power. They, they solve your problems by just having power applied, which right, is a unique right. thing to that, uh, to that setup. Gosh, I'm thinking of, yeah, my mind is twirling with all the different ways of uh, baking the cake. Here, well, I, there's uh... so many now. I mean, <laughs> as you know, the the Focus RS has got its its own uh, unique all wheel drive system where it's changing the thing. Well, yeah, you I have was gonna things say, like an undriven. You know, everybody's everybody's got opinions. their own little animal. Well, 
But here we'll go this rear wheel drive open diff versus limited slip diff. Well, yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, the, right. the, a Lotus Elise, most of the Lotus Elise come without a limited slip diff. Nobody is arguing that a Lotus Elise cannot handle wonderfully well, and yet there's a car that comes without the thing that enthusiasts will go, well, that, that doesn't have an LSD, then I don't want it. Explain the Lotus to me. You know, McLaren is making rear wheel drive cars without a limited slip diff, and they're killer. So, I, yep. you know, yep. I, there's, it's, it's funny to me when people, this is becoming so cloudy, Dan. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking in circles. But it's, it's funny to me how all of the, the rules that used to apply must have limited slip diff to, to handle well. Yeah, but let me list three or four cars where that's not the case. Must have wishbone suspension. Well, explain to me 911s. I mean, there, there's all kinds of interesting things where it's like this is supposed to be a rule, and then you can list cars that break it. Right. The GTR right. with weight, for example. It's like, well, heavy cars can't handle well or, or beat other cars. Well, the GTR weighs as much as a train and kills everything. <laughs> well, I yeah, that's a great place to jump in here because not to pick on the GTR, but if I were to ask myself the question about which is the car of this recipe that I dislike the most, I hate to say it, it's the GTR. It's the most capable because of what it sure. can do. Todd and I discovered faster speeds through corners and even more lack of steering feel and lack of joy and lack of emotion coming through the mechanicals, coming through the drivetrain itself. Far more capable, but far less steering feel and involvement in the car. So therefore, you ask yourself, well, then why do manufacturers throw power? Why do they come up with these different systems? Why does one do it differently? It comes down to them wanting to like the way the car drives. They want you, the customer, to like mm. how their car drives. And how are they marketing? Is this more of a, hey, Subaru, all-wheel drive in the snow kind of thing, but still fun on track? Or is this pure sports car, you know, rear-wheel drive, the purity of the driving experience? What is it? that you know they're selling mm -hmm. the car and that's what it comes down to and the engineering follows that which is funny enough to think and again not to pick on the gtr it's supremely capable it's mm -hmm. lacking so much in terms of the dynamics and that's just the recipe of how they've created everything they've put the transmission it's a you know, transaxle well, so weight distribution all-wheel drive the way it splits it's power. a all these things. It's, it's clinical. It's clinical. And I mean that in a very precise way. The GTR is just, it's a giant killer, but it oh, is so yeah. clinical about it that it's oh, not, yeah. it's not giving you most of the time, it's not giving you a laugh in the process because it is just sorting itself out. And it doesn't mean it can't be fun. It can be fun. It's got to, you've got to be at incredible speed. And then you're just, you're having fun because you're shocked you're going this quickly. <laughs> right. But right. there's not, but there, I mean, really, you're, you're looking down and going, I should be dead. And this car has just solved that. I mean, really, that's the kind of stuff that happens <laughs> right. in a GTR. It's, 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 that's the fun part. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is crazy. The, the, yeah. The fun part of GTR is you did not die. There's a shirt. <laughs> anyway, but, but, uh, but, oh but at the gosh. same time, you're not. I mean, look, I, we're we're being such journalist snobs here to say this, but well, I really like to feel like I am vital in the process. Yeah. And the yeah. guy behind the GTR made the comment where he said he wanted people to be able to to reach amazing things in the car, whether it was a racing driver or his grandmother. That's how the GTR feels. That's very true. Mission <laughs> accomplished. Checked. Mission accomplished. It's it's incredible <laughs> yeah. in that regard. Yeah. But you know, I would say you know the the other things I would say about this Comparo. Rear-wheel drive, you can notice in a parking lot. This sort of sounds weird. You notice in a parking lot driving slowly, you know 
that it takes a beat for the whole car to get into a corner. Whereas front wheel drive, everything's happening in the front half of the car. Everything's happening in front of you. You turn the wheel a little bit in the parking lot, that car's darting for the parking space. Now ex ex exaggerate that up to high speeds. When, you, when you're at high speeds on a track in a front wheel drive car and you, you chuck it in, that has that initial sharp turn in because everything is following what the front wheels do. All power, all steering, everything. But then it overwhelms those front wheels if you push it too far, and now you're getting understeer. I'm turned, and I'm still going straight. Uh, then, of course, <laughs> right. rear, rear wheel drive is, there. honestly, comparatively, there can be a, a stutter step of a beat where the car is settling into the fact that you're now turning it. But it will try to track and follow that line. If you put too much power to it, now the back is coming around and increasing your arc in a way yeah. that a front-wheel drive car doesn't want to do unless, again, we're spinning, uh, we're, we're sp spinning on ourselves <laughs> unless here. Unless it's a Fiesta you get something like, <laughs> Unless you get something like a Fiesta or a really well-set-up front-wheel drive where the back will come around, but instead of rear-wheel drive where you've got to be on power, front-wheel drive, you've got to lift off, and now it'll, it'll oversteer. So many little dynamic changes that you almost have to drive these cars to know you, we can sit here and list, I feel like I could sit here and list, these are the rules. And then I can tell you all the reasons to break them. Right. But right. what happens to the back half of the car changes depending upon what your powertrain is. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, four hours later, really, I think we could still be going. I think Dan was expecting a short answer. But in a concerted effort. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? In a concerted effort to tie it off with a bow and put a cherry on top with some whipped cream and sprinkles... I am waiting. The bottom line is, if we didn't have something to complain about, how boring would life be? If we didn't have <laughs> all these different choices, we wouldn't have these cars to recommend to you and tell you, you know what, that might fit your driving style and that one doesn't. They're both all-wheel drive. They both have the same power. That's why we think of the comparisons that we do and try to translate that across to you on camera. So... Hopefully yeah. that's a nice enough bow. I mean, it's not quite Christmas right now, well, so I'm using leftover wrapping paper here, but you get the idea. It's the, it's, it's the July 4th present. I'm not sure what that is. Go. Maybe you should barbecue I don't know what it. That is. But the, um, <laughs> you know, we, I even talked about briefly touched on the Panamera versus A7 here earlier. Those are on paper remarkably similar cars. Four yeah. to five right. seat, odd looking hatchbacks. A7 obviously prettier, but. Both all-wheel drive, you know, in, in the way we spec them for our review, and yet dynamically they feel very different. But yeah, you look at them on paper and they should be the same. So it's one of the reasons we keep driving these cars and talking about them and want you guys to drive them because it is amazing how what the stat sheet says. I know we say it, and it is our tagline. Uh, you know, what the stat sheet says does not define what the car is. Uh, you can't drive that spec sheet. Mm -hmm. That's why we say that because it's true. Well, now is the time for the intermission, because for hour two of this podcast, we're going to come back and really <laughs> dice up this dilemma <laughs> that we've created I, for I, ourselves. I don't want to be here for hour two of this podcast, <laughs> but it, but yeah, okay. Holy cow. Uh, thank you guys for listening. This is, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of fun to be chatting, and we've had other people comment about, man, I wish I could be on the line sometimes to... Uh, you know, just kind of join. It sounds like a three-way call, and it kind of is. And so I will put that out there. We're looking at having more guests on the podcast in the future. We've gotten some suggestions, which we're still following up on. We're still working on. Mm -hmm. But if something else strikes you, you'd like to have a guest join us and debate these questions, the three of us, we are open to suggestions. So please let us know, Definitely. along with your car debates and Facebook questions continuing to be forthcoming. So we like that a lot. 
I want to make one piece of show business as far as car debates. Uh, when you have a car debate, please send that to either through our website, there's a contact us form, or everydaydrivertv at gmail. We have said many, many times that we really want you giving us information. We do. We need to know kind of who you are, your driving history, cars you've owned, what's your budget, what you're looking for, cars you're already considering. That's all important. However, there is a new little trend that I want to try to stop, mm. and that is this. If you've written us an email... And in order for you to read it back to yourself, you have to scroll down your screen more than twice. <laughs> Please cut that down because we are reading these. Well, we're, getting, we're getting some emails yeah. now where it's like, scroll, 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 <laughs> scroll. It's like, okay, seriously, I, I, I've read books that are shorter. And I'm a guy that likes to type. I will acknowledge. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going just gonna to offer. calling the kettle black a little bit. Little you're right. Bit. But, if it's, but, but we're getting a lot of volume of email now. If you have to scroll more than two full scrolls of page down in your email, I'm going to ask that you cut some stuff back. But uh, we are loving getting them. And then there's the guys that write the three, three sentences. I mean, we do get both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Bullet points are fine, which too. Which is awesome. That's fine, too. Yeah, uh, hey, people, some people have just got, I'm on my phone. Here's what I need. That's fine. <laughs> That's all good. But uh, invariably, we're trying to find the story in here. We love it. Please join us on all the social media outlets. We obviously are on Facebook for these questions. We are on uh, Twitter for random observations and photos and interactions with you guys. Chance is running a heck of a job on really cool photos every day on our Instagram. And we are giving away swag at every 1,000 followers there. So keep that in mind. And, uh, yeah, if you're, you're listening to the podcast, wherever you're listening, we would ask that you rate it. And now is the time for intermission. Please come back in 10 minutes. We'll be dimming the theater lights. Just kidding. Thanks, guys. Huge thanks. Looking forward to talking to you again soon.